It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated Fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 306, and it's brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50. Uh, big show. we got a lot of cop topics going on. Uh, the Bruins are, are still a, a wagon and, and playing very well, and, and, and obviously we're very thrilled uh, to, to see this team just come out of the gate like this, and, and it's really getting the uh, Bruins nation uh, in an uproar with how well this team is doing, especially at home. But we will definitely talk about that. But I don't want to waste any more of this uh, lovely lady's time. This is Gail Triani, and uh, she is the um, uh, Black and Gold Productions sports media company writer, editor, and 
And we got some big news from her later on about the Bruins alumni and a possible partnership growing with uh, Black and Gold Productions. So she'll talk about that later on. But Gail, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, how are you doing? And obviously, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, thank you for having me back, Mark. And I am doing very well. Our Thanksgiving was actually kind of quiet. So it was nice. A little small gathering. Uh, how about yourself? Same thing. Courtney and I, um, we just stayed here, uh, did the uh, the home thing alone. We're, she's kind of like getting away from the big meals and so on and, and the, the time that it takes. But we all, we're all going to consolidate our family get together on Christmas. We thought it would be a, a better idea uh, around then. And I was I was also planning to go to Syracuse for the two games out in in New York for the Providence Bruins, but that kind of fell through the, the wicket. So the uh, Thanksgiving holiday didn't exactly go off uh, as totally planned, but kind of sort of did. But uh, we hope everybody, all our listeners out there, had a fantastic Thanksgiving as well and safe and happy holidays coming up. Um, we are, as you can see, uh, Gail is here with us. She is covering, helping me out because I don't like doing solo for condolos on the uh, on the podcast. <laughs> pod waves uh because but she's uh gracious enough to join me today to talk boston bruins uh with dom not here and kevin not here i do want to give an update on dom uh unfortunately he had a setback uh in his health and he's back in the hospital um he was going through some chest issues and and wants to uh obviously make sure that everything is okay and uh, get test results and so on. I haven't heard back any anything from him, so hopefully he's good. Kevin's going to be taking a week or two off just to gather, uh, you know, some things that personal things that are going on. So uh, much love to both of these guys out there and in, in their uh, in their efforts to get back on the program and and obviously healthier uh, mentally and physically. So, uh, but we do appreciate Gail and and a lot of the members here at the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company when when. You know, it's almost like the Boston Bruins, um, you know, the next man up. It's like when one one person falls down, you know, or, or can't, you know, commit to a certain time frame. You know, we have a, a member always in the wings willing to uh, come in and talk Bruins. So it, we have a great team uh, together. And if obviously if anybody else wants to join this, this growing uh, Bruins content for a train, please uh, uh, give me send me a, a cover letter. And, uh, and a resume possibly to black and gold productions, LLC at gmail.com. And let me know what, what type of, uh, you know, uh, level, what level you want to cover or, or whatever you want to do a podcast with a family friend or, or, or just a bunch of Bruins fanatics, please reach out as well. We're looking for new podcasts as well. I think that's all I got to talk about. That's uh, kind of a rough morning. This, 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 uh, this Sunday, uh, sun morning yeah it's sunday afternoon at 3 p.m and technology is not my friend today but we are gonna truck on all right let's talk about the week that was uh the boston bruins traveled to tampa bay to play the lightning on monday november 21st um and they won five to three and uh on wednesday uh boston traveled a little more south to miami florida play the Florida Panthers losing five to two tough game right there. We'll talk about that a little later, but Friday come back home and the home cooking continues and they beat the Carolina hurricanes three to two at TD garden. And um, so let's talk about, let's basically just, let's, you know, quickly talk about the week that was, um, what were your thoughts about the Tampa Bay lightning game? What did you see or, or, you know, dislike about the certain times in that game? 
So I thought, obviously, they're off to a slow start again. Tampa Bay got the lead. Um, but they powered back, and they dominated in the second period, which is uncharacteristic of the Bruins. Usually the middle frame is their worst. Um, but I thought that Felino goal really got them going on the power play, the way he was just out in front. It was a garbage goal, and it was a great goal. Um, and then the rest, I mean, they just took over. They just, And then they kind of sat back on their heels a little bit in the third and let Tampa back in the game. Um, but they still instilled their will against Tampa, which is something that they haven't done in the past couple of years. You know, Tampa's really kind of outplayed them. Tampa's been the team to beat in the East. But I think the Bruins, and John Cooper said it after the game. Um, Matty Port from the Boston Globe said in one of his tweets that John Cooper said that the Bruins are legitimately the best team in the league right now. And that's yeah. all there, nothing more needs to be said. Yeah, this this game was kind of nervous for me because this was probably the biggest test right here for me. Uh, you know, it is the Thanksgiving holiday. We're, we're around there. We're trying to figure out where uh, we're going to be standing, along with other teams in the Atlantic Division and where they're going to be, you know, in April and so on. We're talking about playoffs. Yeah. And this this ga- particular game was, was one for me that I was like, let's see how we're going to match up here. And obviously the Bruins come out with a, with a big road win. Um and you know it's a, that's a confidence boost right there to me. You know they're, they're playing very well, got an incredible record, and um, you know I just thought that that game was a real good statement game and and one that you could say that you know if it comes down to we we meet the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs, I don't think we're going to have that much of a problem. But there's still a long way to go before then. Anything could happen and so on. But if you look at that game as a benchmark, it's really not a bad thing, uh, a game to look at when you're trying to, you know, do the matchups and so on in a, in a seven-game series. Moving along to the uh, Wednesday night game, the night before Thanksgiving, the uh, Boston Bruins travel to Florida, and they lose 5-2. to two. And um, this is one of those games where – you know, you played a lot of undisciplined hockey, you know, and even even um, coach Jim Montgomery said the same thing, you know, in his post game presser that it was just kind of unfortunate on how they they started this game, particularly um, and and how they finished. Um, so and, and and we'll definitely talk about the P- PK later on, because this is like kind of the area where it really we noticed it started to become really bad the league best penalty kill in the league has kind of been sour. It's been, you know, it's gumple speed bumps so far and that's got to change, but we will discuss it at length later on. Um, And then come home on Friday, you know, to uh, a matinee, a post Thanksgiving matinee. Uh, The house was absolutely full. It was rocking. Uh, We'll talk about that later on. Uh, and, and particularly what else happened in the week. We'll, we'll uh, definitely update that. We're not missing the key, uh, topics um, of the week. We're just trying to get through these games first. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on the Florida game and the uh, and Carolina? Florida is probably one of the most frustrating games in terms of the parade to the penalty box. Yes, you can. I mean, people can whine about the refs all they want. The way I look at it is you don't put yourself in that position. You're not going in the box. You got to play discipline hockey. They weren't playing discipline hockey. And it was their downfall. I think five on five, they were a stronger team, but they just couldn't stay out of the box. 
So it was very frustrating. And I just, I'd rather put that in the rear view mirror and move forward. Like, let's just learn from it and move forward. It was their Absolutely. third loss of the season. Third. Yeah. That's it. Third loss. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. It had nothing to do with those awful reverse rituals, was it? God, those were awful. Oh, those are so <laughs> I, bad. They were. They, I, and people are like, oh my God, the Florida Panthers killed it. And I'm like, how? That's yeah. ugly. It, I wouldn't it, even put that color on an infant. <laughs> no, no, those were awful. Those were definitely awful. So. All right, moving to Friday's game. Thoughts on the Carolina uh, return to home? Friday matinees after Thanksgiving is one of my favorite games. I loved going to them for years and years and years. I used to love when they used to give away those T-shirts and everything. It was just the atmosphere of a matinee game is just top-notch from everything. And playing a team like Carolina, who's become one of their rivals over the past few, you know, even more so over the past few years after last year's, Playoff, you know, everything. And to have them be down again because of the penalty kill and then come back and win that game was just amazing. There's something about this team that when they get pushed into a corner, they really come out and fight. And that's that's got to be down to the coaching from Jim Montgomery and his new system that we just don't give up. We, you know, we might not play a 16-minute effort, but, you know, towards the end of the game, if we're down – by a goal or two, it's not going to be an easy time. You know, this team's going to claw back and try to get that, uh, get at least a salvage a point or even two, um, you know, for the for a victory. The Carolina game, in my opinion, um, I was in the house that game. Uh, it was my first uh, NHL credentialed um, game as a media member, which I'm very proud of. Uh, Gail, you actually went to the first ever uh black and gold productions company access up on the ninth floor and uh so it was my turn this time and then it would be others uh, in our group that will get to uh, the same opportunity but uh, for me being there up on the ninth floor and watching yeah it was it was pretty bad the pk was just really terrible uh in the in the first period but that's because of undisciplined pen penalties in that game um you know three penalties in the beginning that turned into two goals for the Carolina Hurricanes, a Carolina Hurricanes team that lost to the Arizona Coyotes four to nothing um, on Wednesday night uh, when the NHL had a really packed schedule on the on the pre Thanksgiving uh, um, docket. But and and also thinking about Carolina in the previous three games to that four to nothing shutout loss, they they went to overtime three straight times and lost by a goal. So they, their record really hasn't been great coming into Boston. And then uh, the Bruins have this start. But I think that – and they were severely outshot in this game in the, in the first period, which I thought was really bad. Second period in the Carolina game, they came back. I think it was an emotional uh, talk from the, the leaders in the, in the room, especially the coaching staff, on what you have to tighten up on and so on because – this isn't just a regular, regular season game. Even Jim Montgomery said in his post-game uh, press conference, which I was in attendance, said that this felt like a playoff atmosphere. And I was just like, wow. I mean, it, it certainly wasn't there in the first period, but the second and third period, yeah, you could feel that intensity. 
but I'm glad that the Bruins got the two points regardless, obviously. And uh, it was a big win, you know, uh, for the city, for the team and uh, for the franchise. Um, you know, it was an NHL record. We will talk about that later on. Uh, but overall, it wasn't a bad week going two and one and so on. And the the team now is 18, three and oh, um, let me pull up some uh, some stats here. After 21 games played, the Bruins are 18-3-0 and with 36 points, which actually I think leads the league. Yes, it does. And um, they are they are 12-0-0 at home, 6-3-0 on the road. And in the last 10 games, they are 8-2-0, currently on a one-game winning streak. So uh, lots of good things. The goal differential is a plus 38, which is absolutely disgusting, uh, being in a quarter past the uh the season mark so um yeah so that pretty much wraps up the last week's action um sorry about the uh the not great details there but we did you know talk talk a little bit we don't want to spend too much time on talking about the games because we know most of the listeners and viewers on youtube have seen the action so all right we'll move on to this topic which is an important one um uh, patrice bergeron uh reaches his 1000th point in 1235th game in the NHL all with the Bruins and becomes the fourth Bruin in franchise history to reach this memorable milestone. He joins Bork, Busick, and Esposito as the uh, four top 1000 point players in the league in the uh, in franchise history. Um, and this happened on Monday against Tampa Bay last week on the Brad Marchand goal. Obviously his buddy is going to give him this, the, uh, the, the uh, primary assist. And uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a, it was a really good feeling for Patrice to, to see him celebrate with his teammates and, and everybody jump over the boards, come out on the ice. It was really cool that the league allowed something like that. So uh, let's go back to Monday for that particular moment when Patrice Bergeron just made history. What are your thoughts on that, Gail? I, I love the fact that, Marshan didn't even celebrate his goal. He immediately turned and pointed to Bergeron. Like he he just knew it was Bergeron's moment. Yeah, they scored a goal, but it, he just immediately went to his linemate, his captain, his teammate, his his Mario to his Luigi. You know what I mean? Like the the two of them together are just magic. And for him to show that on the ice when Bergeron scored recorded his you know, 1,000th point, all with the Bruins. Um, he's only the eighth active NHL player to have 1,000 points. And he's in. He's with Crosby and Ovechkin and Malkin. I mean, those are some... I mean, obviously, they're formidable, formidable players. And you add Bergeron to that list. And what I loved about it was after the fact, all the comments and stuff coming out, Claude Julian's was my favorite when he said that he probably prevented just as many goals going the other way. And that's why we love Bergeron and to celebrate with him is amazing. Yeah. I mean, just an, uh, the, a great ambassador to the game and, and an amazing person too. very soft spoken, yeah. but you know, powerful words on and off the ice, you know, very well respected and um, it couldn't happen to a better guy. He's just, you know, First ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, you know, Stanley Cup champion and so on. There's, there's, there's so many accolades that you can mention about about this player. And uh, I'm happy for him and, and his family and so on. He's but so humble. It, 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the word right there is humble. You know, it's just he would do more for another guy on that team or, you know, uh, you know, go the extra mile for somebody in the community, especially, you know, this this Boston Bruins team is second to none when it comes to community efforts. And 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 I believe that a leader like Patrice Bergeron sets the, a huge example for that, the younger players and so on for everybody to like, you know, you know, everybody rides here in that in that locker room. We do it all as a team, as a family. You know, and there's no individual in here. So, and and he's a big proponent of that. And that comes down from like uh, players like Zdeno Chara. You know that 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 he's been around and and you know since I think '06. You know when him and Savard came and and Bergeron was just a young guy and so on. So I mean, it, it's just amazing how the knowledge and and how to be a consummate pro is always like handed down to the next the next ones. And it's going to be interesting to see who Patrice hands hands. You know his that that honor of wearing the C on the chest, um, in the in the in the future. Hopefully not immediate future, but you know, I mean, sooner or later we know it's it, it it's going to happen, but hopefully not too soon. All right, let's move on to the next topic, and it is the 2023 NHL Winter Classic jerseys they revealed uh, last week, and I just wanted to talk about our thoughts about this, and and I'm going to eat a little half of a crow. Half a crow. All right. I'm not going to eat the whole thing. I, I, I'm full of crow in my whole yeah. life. I've eaten so much anyway. But but listen, I'm not a meth bear guy. Absolutely not a meth bear guy. And I'm not a poo guy. Poo, 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 poo. Nope. I'm not good with any of that. But I will say, and I have said this on, on a few podcasts that I've been on, this particular jersey is not bad in my opinion. It's got the bot. It's got the Boston over it. It's got the B that represents the first Winter Classic that the Bruins were on at Fenway Park, where that where the festivities are going to be on New Year's Day. But the the meth bear itself just still kind of reminds me of a shoulder patch. You know, that's it. It just it's 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 subtle if you can say that. I'm going to go back and say well, again, and I know I've said this in the past. A full crest meth bear without the Boston lettering? Hell no. No. I do not want that idea at all. That is a terrible idea. There's there's enough drug problems in the world. We don't need to be wearing that in New England to prove that we're all that much more crazier. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the jersey, Gail? I hate it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I, I don't like the stripes. I don't like the color of the lettering. I don't like the placement of the meth bear. And I like the meth bear more than I like the Pooh Bear. Uh, the Pooh Bear back in the early was it 2000s, I can't even remember. I tried to block that out, that gold, awful Pooh Bear. Yeah. Um, the Winter Classic jersey is making me like the reverse retro, the white jersey. It looks so clean. Even with the Pooh Bear crest, it looks very clean. This Winter Classic jersey looks like they just took everything and threw it together and said, here you go. And it to me, it's just, it's horrendous. Um, it's the worst out of the, out of the Winter Classics that they've had. Um, I still like the Winter Classic jersey at Gillette the best um yes that's my favorite too it it, it, and i could be biased because that was the one winter classic that i was in attendance for 
Um, Me too. <laughs> I just, I love everything about that jersey. I like the atmosphere. I hated the score, obviously. Um, oh, oh, yeah. The fact yeah, that, that Marshan couldn't even play because he was suspended. Yes. But everything about that jersey was Boston. The first one wasn't bad. I got a Luch hanging up behind me. It wasn't bad. I, I, I like that jersey. The Winter Classic at Notre Dame wasn't too bad either. But this jersey, there's something about it that I just, I don't know how anyone likes it. I just, it's not, no, nope. This, this particular jersey, that's the 2023 Winter Classic one, not the front and Meth Bear and the Boston, but the striping itself does remind me of the jersey from 2016. It's it's almost the same kind of sort of, but just a, maybe a different coloring. I don't know if it's the, I, I don't know. There's just everything about it. I just don't like it. It's just not my, it, it's just, I, oh, I just can't. I, I just, I can't. I, I don't yeah. know. What, there's something about it. Um, And then seeing Pittsburgh's jersey. Oh, geez. Those, are, like, those are even worse. I know, and, and I'm like, well, at least it's not that. But All I, right, we're um, gonna get we're gonna get killed about our comments though, because a lot of people like this jersey. Oh, absolutely, and and it's all it's all it's all fair. That's fine. You can come at me. You know, we have our Twitter handles right here. I mean, well, I, you can come at me. My Twitter handles right there. I'm, I, I'm, I'm open. I mean, I had all the Carolina fans in my mentions last week, so oh, whatever. What a shock! What a shocker! <laughs> um. Yeah, why don't we take our first break? We'll hear from show sponsor betonline.ag, and uh, we'll be back on the other side. Betonline.ag remains your number one source for all your football, basketball, and hockey bets this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends all at betonline.ag. Betonline is always your continued source for sports wagering information, featured live betting, free contests along with live scores, and almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite uh, sports, such as the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games and other special sporting events. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website to set up a free account and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first cash deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive all these fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag. It's where the game starts. We're back. All of a sudden, my light just shut off. <laughs> all right. Oh, boy. We're going to remember this freaking episode, I'm telling you. <laughs> remember that time you came off for the second time on the, on the show and it was an abomination of technology? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's jump into some uh, injury updates. On Saturday, November 26th, uh, Bruins head coach provided details on several players currently on the shelf. Uh, goaltender Linus Allmark is day-to-day after a collision with Connor Clifton in Friday's matinee against the Hurricanes. Uh, in the same game, uh, uh, Craig Smith uh, was left in the third period. He is considered day-to-day. Uh, Trent Frederick, who suffered an upper body injury in the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning last week, is practicing and could return soon, possibly next weekend. Uh, Derek Forbert, uh, who's uh, missed the last 11 games after a middle finger surgery, should be back on December 3rd against the Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, That is the injury update. 
Um, really good news about Lanius Ungelmach. I mean, the guy has been an absolute animal in the crease this year. Um, and, uh, you know, we need this guy. And he, he's just so good this year. It's, I, I didn't see this coming. I, I knew he was a good goalie last year, but this is just taking it to a whole new level. And uh, I love it. So um, Craig Smith, it sucks that he's uh, struggling with injuries and, uh, you know, offensive capabilities as well. Um, and, and Trent Frederick, who has been up and down in the fans' eyes lately. Uh, I'm, a, I'm always a Freddie supporter, but I do understand why people get, do get frustrated. Um, you know, his grit and, and toughness is going to be needed coming down the stretch here um, soon. And obviously, for but we'll talk about his addition to the penalty kill uh, later on. But uh, any any bright spots uh, that you're really looking forward to uh, from uh, these injured players that are trying back into the lineup? The fact that they only have two games this week and Omar can get stronger. I, that's that's the one that I'm most concerned about if he if he's out for any length of time. Not that the Bruins don't have depth in goaltending because they do. Um, Kincaid proved that when he came up and played for Swayman when Swayman was injured. I just when you have a goaltender that's playing as well as he is playing, um, to have him lose time because of an injury, especially that fluky injury. I mean, he made two saves with Bruins players on top of him. Um, you know, and so you hope it's just like a tweak that he won't be out long term. And I'm really excited to get forward back because I think that um, the defense has definitely played the bottom six pairings have not played the two, the bottoms, I shouldn't say bottom six, the bottom pairings of the defense has not played as well without him in the lineup. Um, Strawman hasn't played horrible but he hasn't been played great either. Um, and I think that because you have forward out and now you have to mix up Clifton with not playing with Lindholm and just moving all these puzzles around, it's really affected their defense. It really has. So I think that him coming back is going to be, and I, it, he's rumored to be back hopefully by Saturday against Colorado, which will yep. in fact be huge. Oh yeah. Colorado's no, a no joke team, you know, um, I'm just looking at the standings right now out in the West and they're in second place in the, uh, Western conference, 12, six and one and, uh, away, they have a, a much better, uh, record than they do at home. So, um, well, it's a good thing the Bruins are undefeated at home though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. We'll definitely talk about that later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited to have a healthy team, but. Uh, obviously with a healthy team comes, what are you going to do to be cap compliant? You know, um, we definitely need to have a player like Derek Fulbert back in the lineup and somebody's going to have to pay the price. Um, uh, I hate to he... say it, but if Smith is out for a long period of time, his contract is definitely one that can help if he ends up going on LTR, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, cause that's what the thing at the beginning of the year when everyone was worried about McAvoy coming back and Martian coming back, that how they would free up cap space. Smith's name was out there, him and Riley for everything. And if he ends up being injured longer, then that's kind of like putting a bandaid again. They're going to have to eventually figure it out, but at least it gives them a little bit of relief until they can figure it out. 
Yeah, it does definitely gives you some cap flexibility. I will say that, but you're still kicking the can down the road until you get forced into a corner where you're going to have to make a move when your team completely is healthy and you're not be able to put these players on LTIR just to, uh, you know, to save some space and be compliant at, at certain periods of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, something's going to have to be done, but you're absolutely right. If, if, if Craig Smith can be used, then we'll take his three point, whatever million and put it on the shelf and then continue to kick that can. Like uh, my buddy, Chris Nosek always says, all right, moving on to the next topic, which is one we kind of already talked about, but I didn't want to uh, put this whole conversation on top of this game and, and kind of like not talk about the other games that we did last week. But the Boston Bruins did set an NHL record of 12 straight home games to start a season, um, passing the 1963-64 Chicago Blackhawks, who won 11 straight wins uh, from October to November in 1963. That was a very long time ago. I wasn't even around. So um, it's uh, a great accomplishment. I got to see it as a credential media member on the ninth floor. Um, and the, wow, the place was absolutely rocking when, when Pasternak scored that goal to get the 12th straight victory. Um, so thoughts on this game, the accomplishments, um, you know, and, 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 what you saw from that game and that moment when Pasternak put it in, because I, I just, I videotaped the, the, the final moments. I shared it on Twitter, but I, I didn't that. get to really, I didn't get to really see yet the, the fan reaction, but you know, it was a great feeling to be, uh, you know, a record breaker and, and just a, a wagon at home, you know, and I got to be honest with you. I really do like the way this team plays at home, but it also gives me a little bit of self-reliance when you're playing in the playoffs. And hopefully the team, this Boston Bruins team can hold on to that first position and, and get that, you know, the home ice throughout the playoffs. What a problem to have, right, Gail? Yes. Uh, well, first I do, I'm not going to correct you, but I'm going to kind of correct you. Uh, Florida last year had 11 straight home wins as well so they uh so florida and chicago were tied for that record um oh they were tied oh okay yeah, all they, right, were all tied. Right. they both had 11 straight wins until the bruins um, okay well thank you very much this year um so having it the way they want to down to nothing having you know Krejci score those two goals which you know the second goal went under review and to have Felino be like the factor in it with everyone kind of eating crow on him this season. And then to be the Bruins that they are and to have Pasternak score that goal from his office, you know, that face-off circle, that one-timer that just have it come from Marshand, the celebration, the glove off, everything about it, it the Friday matinee game, everything about them winning at home that 12th game was anyone in attendance is going to remember that game. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I've I, been to so many games. There's some that you can remember some that you can't, that game will always stick out to anyone that was there. Um, it just, it was amazing. It was an amazing come from behind win. it showed the resilience, it showed the leadership, it showed everything about this team. Yeah, and, and the excitement in the locker room with the players that were 
that we got to talk to as media members. Pasternak came in and talked about the win. Bergeron came in. Krejci. I mean, all your veterans basically came in and just, you know, said that it was just one of those, one of those wins that you needed to, to just grind it down, grind it, grind it out. You know, you you were down in the first period. You weren't playing well hockey. You were getting outmatched in the opening frame, but then you just come together as a group and 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 power your way to two points in overtime and, and to secure that 12th win is just an amazing feat in itself. And hopefully it continues. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy about this team. Uh, also shout out to the Boston Bruins PR staff for like giving us as a black and gold hockey um, productions company, whatever. I can't even say my own damn company uh, <laughs> access to games like this and so on, because it's, it is really cool. And, you know, we love creating content on a daily basis, but getting us uh, the access to players and, 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 you know, a bird's eye view from the ninth floor is always a good thing when you're trying to push out that content. Absolutely. It's been, it's been an amazing ride so far, you know, doing yeah. what we're doing and getting where we're getting and the content that we're producing has just been unbelievable. Yep. I agree. Um, let's move on to another topic that we're not so thrilled about lately. I know we touched on it very little, but it's the Boston Bruins penalty kill, which was on fire for the better part of the, this quarter of the season, uh, has come back down to earth lately. Um, uh, the, the new power play, the, sorry, the new penalty killing leader in the league is now the San Jose Sharks who have a 90%, uh, kill rate, which is unbelievable. The Boston Bruins currently have, as we record this podcast on Sunday afternoon, have an 84.3%. Um, let's talk about that penalty kill. You know, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, what are your concerns, Gail? Because I know you really wanted to touch on this. So first, first and foremost, my concern is the stupid penalties they're taking. You know, like they're not playing the two games. It was literally two games that they played completely undisciplined for a short period of time, and it bit them every single time um, against Florida and against Carolina. They they gave up two power play goals against Carolina. Um, was it three against Florida? I can't remember. Was it two or three? But like they're giving right. up. They're, they're not clearing the puck. They're not getting out of their zone. They just look sloppy in their own their own end on the PK, and uh, I'm gonna credit Ty Anderson from WEI. Um, prior 985. to sorry 98.5, yes. Uh, prior to PKs, prior to Forbart's injury, the Bruins were 35 for 37 on the penalty kill, 94.6 percent since his injury, and this was before um, the goals. It was before the first goal against Carolina. They were 31 for 41. They gave up that many more goals. You know what I mean? They gave up that many more penalty power play goals. And so they went from being the best to the 20th in the NHL. And this team obviously can be top-notch on the penalty kill, but they got to stay out of the box. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's so far to come. I mean, especially in games like Carolina. I know uh, Scott McLaughlin from WEI tweeted out, "It's so far to come back in a game when you're constantly in the penalty box." 
It's just, it was so frustrating to be honest with you and seeing the Bruins fans on social network platforms and so on, just really frustrated with how the penalty kill has been lately. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's something of concern. And I'm sure that Jim Montgomery and coach uh, Joe Sacco and Chris Kelly uh, have all gotten together and, you know, yeah, have all gotten together and try to get this team back on track to where it was being, you know, the top, um, the cat's meow in the league when it comes to the penalty killing. Uh, special teams has always been a real strong, not, I mean, the power play has gotten somewhat better. I mean, I remember when the power play was terrible. I mean, you remember in 2011, the Boston Bruins scored one power play goal and they, they got Thomas Caberlet to be their, uh, their uh, power play uh, specialist. And, and he was just absolutely nothing. I, I didn't see anything out of that guy's game, but they score one power play goal and then still win the Stanley cup. So. Right. I mean, it's not the end all be all, but it's definitely something that you do have to tighten up on because, you know, teams in the NHL that are going to come at you fast and heavy. You don't want to be a man down when, they, when, when they're crossing that red line and just coming at you full force, uh, you know, with a man advantage. Well, the other thing too, that I've noticed this year, um, Bergeron and Marchand aren't getting the chances that they've gotten in the past on the pre-K on the PK, not the pre-K. Um, I'm not sure if that's because the defense behind them isn't able to clear the puck and get those clear takeaways. I mean, obviously, Marchand, I mean, every time he's on the ice, you're thinking, okay, a shorty's coming. But it's not yeah. looking that way right now. It, it's like it's anemic, um, their penalty kill right now. Absolutely. Definitely things to work on. And like I said, I'm sure Jim Montgomery's got something up his sleeve for that. And, um, you know, hopefully they get it straightened out because you don't want to have these types of moments in, in a, in a seven game playoff series in this NHL today. No. And they definitely tightened up in the second half of the Carolina game. They gave up the two early power play goals and then they went all for the rest of the game, the rest of the game Carolina did, you know, and I think they had six total in that game, six yeah, opportunities. Yeah. So they did tighten up. They just need to grow on that and not revert back to giving up the goals. No, and that's a great, great point when you talk about the Carolina game and how the, the, the role was reversed. In the first period, the Bruins were taking the stupid penalties and Carolina was forcing them to do so. And then, as as you alluded to, in the second period, that's when, I mean, there were there were, I think, one or two penalties in the second period that were kind of dumb, but not so bad. But I believe that's when the, the middle part of the game that's when the Bruins were forcing the Carolina Hurricanes to make those dumb penalties especially in overtime yeah. you know you you don't give a ben? power play yeah I mean yeah exactly a bench minor in overtime give me a break but still it, it, it benefits us right. I know stupid you stupid you <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes for for taking that that penalty but that's what happens is the Bruins force the Carolina Hurricanes into a situation like that much like they did throughout the whole first period all right, uh, moving on to another topic is Bruins Nick Felino, and and this is this is kind of my my kind of theory, which is probably totally wrong in the eyes of of hockey Twitter and and everybody else in the world. But anyway, I am seeing something about Nick Felino this year that I saw in somebody in the past in 2011. Now let's take away Mark Recchi. Let's take away his accolades before he came to Boston. There's two, uh, the two Stanley Cups, one with Pittsburgh and one uh, with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. I kind of see 
Nick Foligno in the role as Mark Recchi was back in the day. Yes, Mark played on a higher line and so on, but it's the leadership that I'm gravitating to when I look at these two and make comparisons. So many people came at me and said, it's not even close, you're reaching, because the fact is that he does have the championship and he's a much better player. I'm not talking about career. I'm talking about a year, 2010, 2011, 2022, 2023. That's all I want to look at. Do you happen to like jump on board with my thought of, of how this player has just basically turned his career around in Boston and, and to be that, that leader that the bottom lines are really thrive to be around. Yeah. I, I've been eating crow all season when it comes to, you know, um, I, last year I was like, get him. I no, I didn't want him on. I didn't want him on the team. I, I kept saying, you know, he's Bergeron's guy. He's the locker room guy. That's what everyone was saying, but he wasn't performing. Um, he's already outperforming what he did last year, the entire season in 21 games. He has 12 points. You know what I mean? He's already outperforming what he did the entire last season. He's seven years younger than Recky when Recky played in 2011. He's seven years younger. I think the fact that he was a captain in Columbus helps. I think the relationship that he has with Bergeron has definitely transpired onto the ice this year. Um, He's definitely, the guys are calling him Uncle Nick. There's a reason. When Swayman got injured before before he even got home, Felino's wife had made him all these meals and delivered it to his apartment so he wouldn't have to worry about it. You know, so that leadership, you cannot duplicate that. You really can't. And that's his core. That is so his core. And what he's bringing to the young players around him is what Bergeron brings to the top six. Felino's bringing to the bottom six. So, yes, I do see it. I do see it. Is he going to put up 14 goals and 34 assists like Recky did in 2011? Probably not. Yeah. But he's got 12 points so far in 21 games. Recky had 48 in 81 games. Still so a good pace. It's, I mean, it's possible. Right. If that bottom six gets rolling, especially him being on the second power play unit, you never know. He could put up some points. Yeah. So I don't no, see I just... that much of a stretch. I don't. Yes. If you compare career to career recce outshines him in everything three cups to none you know what i mean he's recce has over a thousand career points you know everything but if you look at just this season compare what he's doing yeah i i could see it i don't think it's that much of a stretch well i thank you very much for agreeing appreciate that yeah (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a it was an interesting topic for me just to start and so on, and and you know the interaction was was fun. You got some people like you that said, "Oh yeah, I can see that," and then you got other people that just came in and just like, "Oh god, yeah," <laughs> because they don't yeah. want to look at the player; they just want to look at the stats. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that's the thing because if you look at the player versus the stats, um, you're seeing a lot more on the ice and in the locker room. 
you, even coming down to I know I know you are not a fan of the goalie hugs. Um, nope. But him <laughs> stepping in for Swayman and now Allmark and giving those hugs out when the other wasn't on the ice yeah. to his little goofy dance that he does with Bergeron now with the spinning on the ice. And I think one of them said it's just two dads having fun on the ice. And that just shows the camaraderie in the yeah. locker room. And so how can you not say that he's like a mock wrecking? All right, moving on to the next topic. Charlie McAvoy, who has been an unbelievable player since his return from his uh, surgery, um, got um, noticed uh, by the NHL PR. I think that's what it was. Uh, but I do have the um, the image that I want to share. So this was back uh, early last week. Only two Bruins defensemen have recorded 10 points in fewer games than Charlie McAvoy in seven games played. This was, like I said, back last week. Bobby Orr in four games in 1975-76, five games played in 73-74, six games played in 71-72, and six games played in 69-70. and And the other one was Ray Bork. Uh, six games played in 1989-90. So I just wanted to put up that stat just just for the fact is that an unbelievable player, obviously, and obviously definitely got to shout out the uh, this, the uh, training and 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 medical staff <clears throat> for getting these players back um, mm-hmm. into shape so quickly. Uh, you know, people are really skeptic about this. It's like, you know, what's going on? Are the PD, PEDs going on in the in the locker room? You know, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not saying that there's anything going on. But whatever is going on with the, the medical staff and so on, keep it going because players are coming back and they're, they're looking good. I mean, Brad Marchand had double hip surgery, and this guy is – uh, just a pistol whip out there, you know, making cuts. Like if I had hip surgery, I'd probably be out for three years after. Um, but no, I mean, it's just, it's just really good to have, to have McAvoy come in and, and just be a point producer like that. Um, and another thing is just, I liked seeing him shoot. I want to see McAvoy shoot more, that big clapper. And, and another thing I want to talk about is the slap shot. It seems like the slap shot is getting, uh, phased out in, in today's NHL with a big boom. And we saw it from David Krejci uh, last week, uh, I believe against Tampa Bay. Uh, and, you know, I just, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Charlie McAvoy? And is the slap shot being phased out? So first on McAvoy, um, he, and I believe Montgomery credited him after the game, his, physicality in the second period against Carolina was what changed the momentum of that game that, and they kind of stayed out of the box, but he just was like, I've had enough. And he laid some nice hits, gave them some transition pucks. Um, He's just, again, one of those leaders on the ice Uh, and he's so young. He's so young. And to have that voice of that leadership voice, um, he's just smart. He sees the play. He, he knows when to, he, so he's never a liability. Even when he pinches down, like he knows if he's going to pinch down, he kind of overlooks in his shoulder to make sure someone swings up before he pinches down. 
but he's just a smart, smart player. And they were lacking. They still won games without him, but you're not worried when he's on the ice at all. And he's a plus five and is he's played eight games and he's a plus five, you know, and that stat to me can go either way, the plus or minus, but you always want to see it trend up when a player returns and not, he's not being out skated. He's not being out hit. He's just, he, I love, I love McAvoy and knowing that he's part of that core that the Bruins will build around as the veterans start to move on and retire. You have that good feeling of that defense, of course, especially with Lindholm now. The two of them together, they're what twenty five and twenty nine. You know, to to me, the the plus minus stat is you're either good as a group on the ice, or you when you're on the ice, it's not so great. You know, I don't I don't base anything when when I'm like when when Jacob Chickren was rumored to be going to Boston and and. You know, the narrative was, why would you want to get a player that's 32, that's a minus 32? And they, they forget the, the the fact that they're playing on the Arizona Coyotes and they're right. not a great team last year. So, you know, let's let's not get, you know, crazy about plus minus. I know people just buy into that so much. But to me, it's just like, hey, if you have a plus five, that means good things are happening right. when you're on the ice as a group. It's not the right. end all be all. Now, what are your thoughts about the second question? Is this big traditional slap shot, the big boom that we saw from McAvoy and David Pasenak, are we not seeing that anymore? Or is it just, uh, or am I reaching? Um, so someone else brought it up. Uh, someone wrote an article. Was it Fluto from the Athletic? I believe so. And I'm an sorry I didn't give it. that guy credit. He, he got ripped on on. Especially after Krejci's, um, was it Krejci's goal? One of Krejci's goals was a slap shot. One of, you know, Pastas was a slap shot, McAvoy. Um, so he's getting ripped all over the place. But I, you're not seeing it as much because the lanes are getting clogged down. So it's not that the it's not that players aren't taking the slap shots. I think they're getting blocked more out front. And I think that so you're not seeing them get through as often. But I don't think that it's going away. I don't think a slap shot will ever go away. Um, but there is something to be said about, you know, you're seeing a lot more breakaway goals too in this league because of the speed of the young players um, and the talent. You're seeing a lot of finesse goals. You're seeing a little bit more jumping on the rebounds, the tip ins. So, out front, out back, the slap shots. It's not that they're not there; they're just not as predominant. But they'll never go away. Slap shots never going to go away, in my opinion. All right, why don't we take some uh, some uh, BNG listener calls, and we'll come back with uh, some big news that we just acquired today. But it's been in the works for like two weeks now. Gail's been taking the reins over at the BNG Production Sports Media Company on this particular thing. But uh, let's hear some calls. All right, first one up is our very own Black and Gold Productions uh, writer, uh, uh, Mike Sullivan, and also a fantastic host over at Something Bruin Hockey Podcast. What's up, guys? Uh, Mike Sullivan here. Just wanted to wish you guys a uh, happy holiday. Hope you guys all had a good Thanksgiving. But my question for you guys is, what do you think 
the Bruins' biggest weaknesses right now and how can they improve on it. Thanks, boys. Kale, congrats on being on the show. Talk to you guys later. See ya. Gotta like, gotta love Sully. Gotta love Sully. <laughs> What's the biggest weakness moving forward from my, uh, from uh, Mr. Sully? For me, it's the power play. I think that you know they need to figure it out. Uh, he's tried five forwards. He's tried having McAvoy on one unit, Lindholm on the other unit. He needs to figure it out. I don't know if it's because they're looking for the same exact play every single time either Bergeron in the bumper or Pasnacken over on the face-off, face-off dot. They're looking, they're not seeing the ice and the teams. If you watch their power play every single game, it's the same exact thing. They need to figure it out because this team has so much offense. They should be scoring on every fifth power play. They should be scoring. I mean, even more than that, they're just not putting the puck in the net on the power play and they need to figure it out. That's my biggest weakness for them. Yeah, I'm going to jump on uh, with you on the power play, but I'm also going to add special teams uh, with the penalty kill, you know, um, coming down the stretch of this uh, regular season into the playoffs, you got to have good special teams um, and, and be play a little more discipline. Maybe there's a third that I could add there to Mike's question, but yeah, I mean, Everything's just going to be tightened up. I know this team can do it. We've seen it in the past with, uh, with the, uh, you know, a quarter of the season. There's only three losses. It's not that bad. It's not the end all be all when the team loses because we're so far ahead. Uh, I mean, uh, there are teams that are catching up as well. But, um, yeah, that's what I'd like to see uh, them tighten up on. All right. This is uh, Chris out in Los Angeles, California, a great supporter. Uh, but uh, let's hear from Chris. This is a long one. Thanks, Chris, for the brief, brief hey, Mark voicemail. And Black and Gold Podcast. This is Chris from Los Angeles. Mark, we talked a couple times on Twitter, and uh, I just want to thank you real quick for just being real friendly and and uh, welcoming to to my offers to, to maybe come on and and help out if you needed it. I know it's uh, I'm not in an ideal situation to do that, but anyway, a couple quick things. Uh, first of all, love the goalie talk recently. I've heard people mention, and I don't know if this is realistic or not. It's mostly just fans online. But with the way Allmark is playing right now, people have said maybe that makes Swayman a trade chip. And I wondered what your thoughts were about that. Because if Allmark was just a couple years younger, I could get on board with that. But I just think Swayman's so young and he's shown so much potential that it really feels like he's the future in net there. And Allmark will kind of hopefully play out his contract, but then eventually step back into a secondary backup role as an older goalie. Um, but I was wondering your thoughts in general because maybe that could be a way for the Bruins to replenish their their prospect pool, get things set up for the future at center position once Bergeron retires. Or even if it's not Swayman, they have a ton of goalie depth. So what about somebody like Kincaid this year at the trade deadline? Uh, he showed he can still play in the NHL, at least in a spot, maybe as a backup, or one of those younger guys like Kaiser. Uh, second point, real quick, you were talking about Kane uh, from Chicago potentially being a, a trade target for the Bruins. But I was just wondering, at the trade deadline, in general, what your thoughts were for the Bruins to target some players to sort of fill out their roster, add some scoring depth and stuff like that. I noticed Debrinkat, or Debrinkat, excuse me, in Ottawa is actually on the last year of his last year of his deal. He's an RFA. He's really young, and his cap hit is six point five. But at that time, it should be about two million or under to play out the season. 
I'm assuming the Bruins would have to give up quite a lot to get him, and part of that deal would hopefully be that they could re-sign him long-term. But he's a right shot, and he would maybe be a really good fit on that top line, definitely on the third line as a depth-scoring player. He would dominate, I'm sure, playing third-line matchups. But uh, just wondering your thoughts there, too. So uh, thanks so much for taking the call, and uh, I hope to hear the podcast uh, soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. We are thank for Chris. Thank Chris for the support and calling in. And if anybody wants to call into this uh this BNG listener hotline, please go to 978-504-2727 and leave a brief brief voicemail. Love you Chris. Love you Chris, but that wasn't brief, my man. But we will address your uh concerns. I'll go first on the uh on the swim and trade chip kind of talk. I don't think that's a great idea right now. Um, I would, I mean, Allmark is in his second year of a four year deal. I really wouldn't mess with that chemistry right now. I would rather keep them for another year or two, uh, and then address where your organization needs, uh, additions and so on. Um, but for me, Swayman's the future. Uh, and I would rather, uh, keep a hang on to, uh, hang on to him, but also keep, Linus Allmark around if he's playing well, you know, if he's constantly putting up uh, steady numbers and being a solid teammate, you know, there's nothing wrong with having this tandem. Uh, this tandem right now is under $6 million, which is a, a very great thing to have in today's NHL. So, but that's going to change next season because Jeremy Swayman's going to be uh, out of his entry level contract and, and looking for his first real NHL deal, which, um, I, in my opinion, would like to see probably, uh, you know, a, a two and a half million, three million kind of deal for three seasons. I don't want I, I, I really want to bridge this kid to see what we we actually have. I know that we have a good, solid goaltending depth and so on. And, and it, it starts with Swayman. But also, I want to see how he adjusts further. I, I think entry level deals are just not enough time to see the what we're getting, you know, the full the full landscape of what a player could do. I believe in this player so much and I want to keep him around. So I don't know about trading anything goaltender wise. We have it, it I mean a lot of Bruins organizations in the past have always built from the crease out. And this is where I think that they should uh stay. Um second thing was uh I want to see if there's any additions that are needed. Right now, it's hard to think about additions that are needed when you need to shed cap to be compliant. So it's kind of a, you know, a mixed bag of um, of things going on with this question, Chris. But um, if there was a player to come in that could help, I want to see grit. I want to see more grit. Um, if Trent Frederick can't do it, uh, it needs to be traded. Uh, trade him for somebody that can possibly be uh, the same point total as Trent and, and, uh, but also be that type of pain in the ass player that we need and, and what's needed in the playoffs. Uh, so for, that's my long winded answer. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on obviously his Swayman talk and, and uh, what we need uh, down the road? Um, so I'll definitely say no to Swayman. I, I don't think that trading him is an answer at all. If, Last season was any indication. This team, they had, you know, Swayman was hot, then Allmark got hot, then Swayman got hot, then Allmark got hot. You know, so they went back and forth, and that's why they became that tandem. Yes, Allmark has taken majority of the load this year, 
Um, but Swayman, it's a long season. And I'm not sure I'm confident. Yes, Kincaid showed that he could play. And and so I'm not I'm not opposed to him coming up and giving the guys some maintenance days or whatever. But I just still think that Swayman, as young as he is, has a lot to show us. And I think that giving him up would be the wrong decision for the future of this team. Just to piggyback what you said. And then for in terms of the trade deadline. I think it's way too early um, to discuss trade deadline. The team is a wagon. They're rolling. They have problems fitting players into the lineup. Um, you know, you have such talented players throughout the lineup from top to bottom. I mean, Hall's been playing on the third line instead of the second line. Zaka has been playing so well that he's moved up to Krejci and Pasternak. And so DeBrusque is, you know, that's a great thing to have is that finding ice time for these players. Why Mex, unless something catastrophic happens, I don't think Patrick Kane is a good addition when you already have, you know, like you said, gritty, someone that may need for that bottom six to maybe someone with a little bit more offensive skill than AJ Greer to come in. Or if like if Greer and Frederick can't, or if Smith doesn't find his game, those are the questions that I have. Patrick Kane's not going to come in and play on the third or fourth line. No, it's not. It's, you know, he's just a an all all world talent. He has been for years and so on. But uh, the money, even if Chicago retained, and I know that his cap hit is solid at ten point five this year, but yeah. in actual money. If even if like Chicago could eat half of that, I, I still don't think it'll work logistically because yes. Evan Gold's gonna have to like really crunch these numbers down and pull up pull something off to make this work and not like affect any of the bonuses that are gonna be paid out last next year uh, from Bergeron and Krejci, which right. are which are you know on the on this year's cap and so on. So it should be interesting on how everything works out leading up to the uh the you know the latter half of the season. Let's hear from Caroline, and she's calling from, I believe, Albany, New York, with a question for us. Hey, Mark. It's Caroline from Albany, formerly Kay from Twitter. Uh, when are you guys going to have a presence on Mastodon? Uh, we've got a great instance for hockey fans called Bar Down Dead Space, um, but we all believe hockey is for everyone, and I miss seeing your posts since I'm not on Twitter anymore. I love what you guys do and keep up the good work. Thanks. Well, we appreciate you, Caroline, for calling number one and also checking in on on where we should be on the uh, social media platforms. And and I'll definitely check it out. Um, I I only heard about it recently when Twitter was like supposed to be like non-existent and everybody was jumping ship. But um, I've heard some. Several uh, people, including Jeff Merrick and, and Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts, the hockey podcast, that it's really not easy to sign up and so on. But I will definitely take the time to uh, look into setting up an account and, and interact with you and other Bruins fans over or hockey fans in general over on that uh, platform. But uh, give me a little bit of time and I'll definitely do it. I uh, really appreciate the um, the suggestion, I, you know, we want to like interact with as many people as we can of, of, of our awesome supporters. And if we have to go to the links to start up, a, <clears throat> excuse me, another account somewhere else, we'll certainly do that. 
Gail, you had some, um, did you happen to check out Mastodon at all? What were your thoughts about that? I did. So um, when everyone, when I, I signed on to Twitter one game and everyone was like, oh my God, Twitter's not going to be here tomorrow morning. And so I went and I created um, a profile on Hive Mastodon just to have it ready because I'm one of those people. I want Lady Bruins fan on everything. So I'll just there sign up know. for it just to get my, just to get my handle. Um, and I signed up for both Mastodon and Hive and I just, it's not easy to navigate. Um, it's not as friendly as Twitter. Like your Twitter feed is your Twitter feed. Like it, it automatically, even if you don't follow people, if other people follow them, it gets put in there. So you can build off of that. I didn't see that in Mastodon. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of people over there yet either. Um, like when you see like on Twitter, when something's trending, it's like in the thousands, this is like, you have 25 people talking about a topic. So I don't know, maybe it'll grow more as I look at it, but I'm happy at Twitter. Um, I'm happy just being on Twitter and engaging with people over there. Maybe Mastodon will become something in the future, but it's not for me yet. Well, we'll definitely check it out. And thank you, Caroline, for tuning in. And uh, I miss tweeting with you as well. Um, the last call that we have on the uh, B&G Listener Hotline, and again, folks, we want to make this a regular segment. So if you want to call in 24-7, the line is open, and, and we accept phone calls worldwide. Even my friend Trent Barry, who lives in Australia and is a longtime listener. I think Trent goes back to listening since 2016 and in January when I started this. But he can even call in and 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 uh, provide a Bruins related question, a brief one. Don't be like Chris. But the <laughs> next one is Chris. We love Chris from LA. Here's Chris. Hey, it's Chris from LA, and I just had a couple thoughts or questions about some of the Bruins' depth down in Providence because it seems like they have a lot of guys who maybe could break the lineup at some point, but there's just no room for them right now. Or you know, they're still looking at people like. Career. So, like McLaughlin, uh, Steen, Ashan, uh, even Beecher, Athelin, um, and of course Lauko, who's been up and down a little bit. Uh, I've been wondering, like, how much of that is just they feel like some of these guys need just a little more time and experience in Providence. They feel like some of these guys maybe just aren't ready, maybe never will be ready to make the leap to the NHL. And which of these guys are just, you know, waiting for their opportunity to come up. They're definitely going to get them up. They might even get a chance to win their spot in the lineup over somebody like a Greer or um, like, uh, like a Frederick. But uh, yeah, I've just been, there's so much depth there and the Bruins and Providence have been playing so well. I was curious, like we saw McLaughlin last year. He looked good in spots. We saw steam for stretches last season. He looked pretty good at times. Then he kind of petered out a little bit. Same thing with like a Sean in his, in his short stints. But Lauko this year, I really liked his game. I thought he brought a lot of speed and energy. I thought, in general, he was playing relatively mistake-free hockey. So I was kind of confused why why he's been down in Providence. Um, is it just an issue of getting him more playing time because he wouldn't be in the lineup every night in Boston or what? But just kind of name by name if you wanted to, um, if you felt like going through some of their, their prospects and some of their younger guys down in Providence, I'd be curious what you think. Uh, the future looks like this season and going forward for sort of each one of those guys, McLaughlin's team, even uh, the Terry guy like him, Beecher, Athlon, Ashan, Lauko, or even Wagner too, for that matter, who's obviously older, but he was up and down. He ended up playing the playoffs last year. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. That's a lot to unpack. It is. It is. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and, and Chris comes with a very good question. 
but the logistics of what's going down in Providence, and they're they're another team that's kind of a wagon right now, leading the mm-hmm. uh, American Hockey League and the Atlantic Division, uh, respectively. But um, you know, I I listened to that question, and he talked about Lauko and why he's not up, and so on. Um, Lauko is currently under his last year of his entry level contract, which means that he doesn't have enough NHL games or enough American Hockey League experience uh, to uh, garner the waiver process. So he's still on, on an ELC and hasn't met the required games. So basically to keep him playing, as Chris did mention, Providence is the next best thing. You want to keep a young kid like him uh, constantly skating, practicing and so on. And if you, you're not going to get that time in the NHL because of, I, I, I believe the Bruins uh, have always kind of, you know, based, basically uh, banked their um, their wishes on uh, contracted players that they've signed and they want to get the best out of them. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes the next man up mentality isn't always that way. And, and if you're the better player, you're going to play. We've heard so many cliches like that in the past. Um, but, I mean, if you want to gravitate to somebody that could play, I like uh, Georgie Mikuloff. He could be an option on the center left side or even the right side. Uh, Vin- Vinny Letary is is doing fantastic down to Providence. He's leading the team in points, um, but he'd have to, um, yeah. You know, if he he would be brought up, he'd have to go through waivers to be sent down. So he might be like the last game of the NHL year. Um, he might get a thank you game and so on. Uh, Johnny Beach here. I'm not too sure if he's ready yet. Um, Fabian Lysel uh, is is playing really good down the AHL and he's learning a lot, but I don't think he's ready for the NHL this year at all. I think he should stay down there the complete year. And when roster uh, availability is, um, is, is there at the NHL, especially on the right side, maybe fit him in then, but um, I don't see him being a, a call up this year. Um, it's really tough because, like I said, the NHL Bruins just really stay with who they they, they signed and and they're under con- NHL contract one way deals and um, so I really don't see a lot of movement. Obviously, injuries are going to play a huge part in some of these recalls. Uh, so somebody could get a game. Obviously, let's not hope injuries. Let's you know which we're getting people back now. We don't want to like you know add more to the list, but. Um, another long-winded, uh, answer from me, but, um, Gail, uh, in, in, all the games that I've covered and the articles that I've written this year, um, and I, I don't even know, do you watch the, uh, AHL Bruins? So I don't watch them. Unfortunately, I do not pay for the package. So I live through you and Jim, um, with all of Shout out to Jim Swindells is wonderful coverage of being down there. Um, exactly. and you as well. Uh, you guys do a phenomenal top notch job, top notch job, uh, get keeping us up to date on all things AHL Bruins. Um, but with that said, I'm gonna piggyback a little bit on what you said about I, at the beginning of the year, you could make the argument that Felino didn't deserve to be here. Guess what? We're all eating crow on that, so yeah. um. Frederick has had his ups and downs, but the grit that he shows on that bottom six is not something you're probably going to get from Lizelle or McLaughlin. You know what I mean? So 
it's not apples for apples because the the apples to apples is taking a scoring offensive player, not a grit player. So when you who are you gonna take out? Who you're not gonna take out Pasnak, you're not gonna take out Hall. Zaka's proved that he needs to be up here. Like so who who that's why that's a good problem to have to have too much depth. So yeah. that's why. And like you said, the waiver process and everything else, if you bring up a certain player and then you send someone down, you risk them not clearing waivers. And then why did you do it? Just to give a look. It, it's it's just risky. And I think that's the business side of it that a lot of fans don't understand. Me included. Me included. Like, I... I was nervous at the beginning of the year when they sent, when they put Felino on waivers because his preseason, he looked good, but I was like, okay, what does that mean to take him out though? Who fills that role? And now that we've seen he's filling that role, if he were to go down, someone's plucking him. So he's not clearing waivers a second time. He's getting plucked. So. Yeah. Yeah, and and like that that whole waiver process for a player like Nick Felino was just cat massaging from Evan Gold. Yeah. You yep. know, he never really went to Providence. A lot of people right. said they reached out to me. I was like, I because I post the uh, the pregame lineups when I get yep. the email from the Providence Bruins organization, and a lot of people are like, "Well, where's Felino?" I'm like, "It's a paper transaction. He never went right. to Providence." And then you know, the kickback is like, "Well, they said they waived him." I'm like, "Well, you could waive a player, and doesn't mean he's going to go down to Providence." Right. So. That's yeah. just, it's just the way that this team and other 31 NHL franchises work the cap to be compliant. They can do that. Yeah. I mean, you see players a lot like Chris Wagner is an, an example. Um, he did well in Boston, but he just other players are playing harder, stronger, faster than him. And while he's a guy that everyone loves, I mean, no one hated Chris Wagner no one thought that he deserved to be traded or thrown away or anything, but, and yeah, he got called up because of injuries last year for the, for the playoffs, but um, Mike Bradley's doing well down there. But yeah. again, who do you send down instead of Mike Riley? Yep. Who do you pick out of the defensive core to send down? And, so, and another thing, another thing, Gail, that people generally don't understand is like, yeah, you could definitely stash players in the American Hockey League, but just remember, when you stash a player like Mike Riley, defenseman, that's making $3.8 million, you're only getting 1.2 of that salary off the books right. When he goes, if he clears in reports. That's still capital money in the AHL. It's just... it. You get a little bit, a, a little bit of an abatement from the league per the CBA, the recent CBA, but you're not getting the full cap hit off. Right. So that, that that also, it's just so many avenues of thinking about this topic that get overlooked sometimes. You know, that's why the the internet is an an amazing an amazing machine that people really need to use. And this is where we miss Dom so much. I know, I know. Can't wait to get Dom back. Hopefully, he feels better soon. Let's uh, jump right into a really feel-good uh, uh, situation for us at Black and Gold Productions, and I, I don't even want to uh, go any further. I want Gail uh, Triani to take over this whole conversation because she really took the reins, or, or, or let's put it in hockey terms, skated the puck up the ice 
with uh, with this uh, great news. So, Gail, uh, go ahead. Uh, so I am proud to announce that Black and Gold Productions uh, is starting to form a partnership with the Boston Bruins Alumni Foundation um, with our first credentialed game coming up on December 3rd, which is next Sat- uh, Saturday. It is not only a rematch of last year's Warrior Life, uh, Warrior, Warrior, Warrior. Oh, my God, I can't even talk. Warrior for Life Fund versus the Bruins alumni, which the Warrior for Life Fund won, by the way. Um, it is Zdeno Chara's first game as an alumni. Uh, he's going to be joining Ray Bork on the blue line, along with Adam McQuaid and Kevin Millar, which is huge. Kevin Miller. I always say Millar for some reason. I get that Red Sox thing in my head. Yep. <laughs> um, but so they're boys, uh, they're up in their game on their defense with having Chara and Bork back there. And so I've been in contact with Frank Simonetti, who's the incoming president of the Boston Bruins Alumni Foundation, and also with Mark Will- Wooland, who is the director of communications. And he is um, giving me the credentials to attend the game on Saturday. And I may have a couple of colleagues from, Black and Gold joining me as well. Um, hopefully, Benjamin and Jim will be able to join me. Um, but we're gonna. It's gonna be a fun event. It's gonna be a great event. The Boston Bruins alumni has so many great events, and they raise so much money uh, for all these amazing charities. It's just gonna be great to build this partnership and work forward to having that access to these players that donned the black and gold jersey for so many years. I mean, Char, 14 years. Bork played for 20 years for Boston. I mean, it's just, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah, and uh, where can uh, people go to get information on tickets if there's still <laughs> tickets available? Uh, the last I checked, there were still some tickets available, and they can go to the Boston Bruins Alumni Foundation.com. Uh, the website in the game Saturday is at the warrior ice arena down in Brighton, mass. Um, it's at two o'clock. Uh, they, I believe they have VIP tickets, which is a meet. It includes the meet and greet after the game, uh, which is cool for any, you know, fans that want to meet Chara or Bork or Andrew Raycroft is going to be in net for the Bruins. And, um, there's going to be Mark Myers, who's also a, a little bit younger on the younger side. Andrew Alberts plays. Uh, Chris Bork, Ray Bork's son, is on the alumni team now. So there's a lot of good players to go and meet and mingle with. And um, I don't have the roster for the opposing team yet. So, But it is all in honor of Nathan Hardy, um, who is a Durham, New Hampshire native who uh, was killed in the line of duty in Iraq. Um, He was just 29 years old. And so this is their second game. It's the Nathan H. Hardy Memorial game. And it's a big event for the Boston Bruins Alumni Foundation and the Warrior for Life Fund. Absolutely. And uh, very proud of uh, this moment. uh, And obviously, for you to take the ball, uh, the puck and skate up the ice. That's what I meant. Um, and it, it, just to, because um, we want to branch out here at Black and Gold. We want to grow uh, everything that's Black and Gold, um, you know, whether it be the Bruins organization and the multi-levels of their minor pro affiliates to the prospects worldwide. But we also want to, you know, 
write more articles, get more um, interviews on podcasts, on the network from these members. So a partnership is so important for us moving forward, not only to, I just really want to get others that played the game in different, um, obviously in different decades to get an idea of what the game was like in certain air in certain time frames when they played. And I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to increase our content and obviously our viewership, no matter where we go, whether it be website writing or uh, on a YouTube channel that we might set up for, for this, but there's plenty of opportunities for other folks to jump on board and get involved in this stuff. But I'm just really proud of where this, this company, the small sports media company is going. And with people like you that, that really take uh, leadership roles on, you know, on, on gravitating to where we should uh, be writing and where we should, you know, start, um, you know, covering uh, events like, like the uh, Bruins alumni around New England, because they do a great job and it's all for uh, charities. You know, it's all for families like a, a fallen soldier or uh, a cancer benefit and so on. So it's, it's always something that is good and, um, and supporting uh, these members that, that wore the black and gold back then is, is important to them too, as, as they get older and so on. And, you know, we want to hear their stories and we think we have a, a lot to offer to this Boston Bruins nation. And like I said, I'm proud and, uh, and I want to thank you very much for the effort that you've taken uh, this because it is basically just like, yep, go for it. And you just, you just went with it. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Well, and I thank you for the opportunity to allow me to do this um, because without you, we don't have these opportunities without you starting this company and giving us the, the path the, 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 the tool, you know, all of the stuff that goes with it to be able to cover stories and get up to the ninth floor uh, I know previously I did it in my pa- my previous life. We don't need to talk about that. We're talking about the current. But you gave me the opportunity again to get up on the ninth floor. And now, you know, I'm going to be out at Warrior Ice Arena with um, the alumni and rubbing elbows with some of those players. And I remember back in college when I was at Northeastern, I covered an alumni game. And it was Ray Bork's first game. So that awesome. was, you know, so this is, this is kind of coming full circle for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Bork's first alumni game after he, you know, retired and won his cup with Colorado to now covering Chara's first game. So it's coming full circle to captains. It's, it, it's just amazing. And, um, you know, hearing the stories back then from Gary Doak, you know, that was at the alumni game and, you know, in talking to those players that's what people don't understand. Like Reggie Lemelin's going to be at this game. Um, yeah. You know, he he's another player. The stories you're going to hear from him uh, of not just playing back then, but of the camaraderie that he's built in Boston and having all these players that are not from here, stay here and play yeah. for this team for, you know, it's just, it's amazing. The camaraderie that Boston has. Yeah. And, and to have them all stay here in the community and, uh, and, and do great things. is just amazing. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Gail. Uh, let's talk about uh, the uh, minimal games on the schedule. Uh, the uh, Boston Bruins play the Tampa Bay lightning this Tuesday night. Uh, Tampa Bay currently sits in the fourth position uh, with a 12, seven and one record 25 points. And they are going to be at TD Garden on Tuesday night. So their away record is 5-4-0. Oh. 
Uh, so, and um, the, the, sorry, the Tampa Bay Lightning are also six, three and one in their last 10. So this is a team that we could take advantage of again. I believe that we match up well. And if we have that same game we had down in their barn, I think it's going to be a, a good one. And, and uh, you know, lucky 13 could happen on, uh, on Tuesday night. And the, uh, the, the next game is a Saturday night contest. We talked about uh, where we might see several members that were on the injured shelf right now return to action. The Colorado Avalanche are currently in the second position in the uh, Central Division. I'm sorry, the Western Conference Central Division. Yeah, same thing. Uh, they are 12, 6, and 1, 25 points. They are 7, 3, and 0 on the road, 8, 2, and 0 in the last 10. So this is a team that could possibly uh, be a little bit of a problem for the Boston Bruins, but with hopefully pen- uh, penalty-killing master Derek Forbert back in the lineup, Colorado's got no chance. It is it is at home, so that that's a thank good you very much. Right yeah, um, so they have this mini home stand, um, just a few games at home, and then they go back on the road. But Colorado. They're a different team than won the cup last year. They're not quite having the cup hangover that a lot of teams have, but they're definitely not playing their to their potential, in my opinion. Um, they've lost some close ones. They've won some close ones. So, and anytime Cal McCarr is on the ice is a fun time. So, I'm curious yeah. to see. Um, you know, amazing. It's, it's, Colorado is one of those teams that I love. Colorado, I always have. They just, they have great players. They have an excellent presence. They're not really that rival, so I can enjoy watching them. They're a fun team to watch. Of course, I will be rooting for Boston, obviously. Absolutely. Um, They are a fun team to watch. They really are fun to watch. You didn't hear me, did you? No, what'd you say? I said, if you root for Colorado, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Root. Root for who you want as long as you produce some good old. It's, a, it's always black and gold first. It's always black <laughs> and gold first. That's so. right. Awesome. All right. It's uh we're coming to the end of the program. So why don't we uh and I forgot to mention this at the beginning. I always forget something. See, I told you. Uh we do have a Patreon account. And um, if you want to get on board, it's only a dollar per episode. We record about four episodes a month. Sometimes we'll get up to six, maybe eight. Very rare we get to eight, but eight dollars, six dollars, or four dollars. It's a very small investment per month. Um, but also it gets you some really great hand signed items like a jersey that we're giving away. And I don't have a picture of it right now for the YouTube viewers, but is an Andy Moog signed jersey. And the winner of the monthly jersey giveaway for the month of November is Cody Stevens. Congratulations, Cody Stevens. Uh, and thank you for your constant contributions and your support of our sports media company. I will get that jersey out to you as soon as possible. I know uh, Hollis Jackson is waiting for his Ray Bork prize back from last month. Um, I'm, I've been busy, so things will be sent out soon, I promise. But we want to thank everybody that contributes financially. You guys are absolutely amazing. Uh, you really help us, uh, you know, cut the cost of, of uh, you know, producing content on the regular but also half of that dollar goes towards getting more, um, you know, hand signed items for you to win every month. So 
Uh, it's like it's a win-win for everybody, and it would just—it's just good for us to give back to those who, who uh, really support us uh, the most, and and that's the financial supporters. So, with that being said, I think that's going to be it. So, Gail, I want to thank you very much for for joining me today in in um, in the absence of Dom and, and Kevin. Uh, like I said, it's just great to have uh, the the support um, from everybody. Um, and 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 the willingness to come on and and talk Bruins because you know I don't like doing these alone so it's always <laughs> good to have a fellow Bruins fan that you know just you know pretty much happens likes the same things that we all do we we, we have a really cool group here at B and G so uh, to reach out to a, you know a member like yourself and it gives some time to get a pod out and you know talk some bees is always a good time I appreciate you having me on it was definitely fun. It's always nice to hear your take on things outside of Twitter and, uh, you know, in our little group chats and stuff. It's it's nice to really hear your thoughts. It's nice when the when the listeners get involved. Those were some good quality questions. So I appreciate yeah. that. Um, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to have my voice and to have it be heard. So thank you. Absolutely. I'm going to get you on that pod. The pod waves yourself. I'm getting, I know close. That you've been... I'm getting close. I have my introduction almost done. I know you're working hard on getting everything yeah. up to up to speed. So uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, listening to um, possibly weekly content on the on the pod waves from you and what you have to say in your own words on your own program. You know, uh, I support everybody on the BNG uh, podcast network. I listen to all the, the shows, all seven shows at work. So bringing on an eighth program and possibly more if somebody wants to come in. And uh, start their own podcast individually with friends and family. It's all good here. So with that being said, my name is Mark Allred, host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. That is Gail Triani, and she is a fantastic person. So glad to have her aboard this content train. Um, But um, guys, have a great week. Stay safe. We'll be back next week to talk Bruins hockey. Hopefully some really good things, maybe even 13 and 0 or 14 and 0. Keep the Keep the winning streak going at TD Garden and this absolute wagon rolling throughout the uh, through the NHL. So that being said, peace out, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Mm-hmm.